Go ahead and have a seat when you're ready. Um, it's good to see you all. I'm glad to be back. I went down to Florida a week and a half ago to pick up my car. Oh, and my wife brought her back also, finally. So uh, she's back here. I don't know where she is, but she's here this morning. If you didn't have a chance to see her and greet her, always good to be back here with you. Um, I understand Dr. Bill Jones was with you last week, and he made some kind of comment about that uh, Pastor Jim sends you greetings sitting around the pool and uh, drinking a pop. Well, I want to I wanna set the record straight. I was not at the pool, and I don't drink pop. I was on the beach with the wind and the, you know, the waves lapping up against me, and I was drinking an iced tea, okay? <laughs> so... Just to set that straight. But this morning, uh, how many of you uh, are into that basketball stuff? Somebody said this was a basketball aisle up here today, you know. And so I need to know this. Um, some of you, are, are you Go Blue or Go, uh, go Blue? Yeah. Boo. Well, well, Green did go. They go home. <laughs> They goed home. They goed home, okay? But, but blue is still around, okay? So that's pretty exciting. So I hope you're excited about that. But I need to know this morning. I'm looking for somebody who, was, who played high school or college basketball, man or woman. Anybody here play high school or college basketball, man or woman? Okay, if you know somebody, point them out, you know, stand them up. I need a guy and a woman, it doesn't matter who, but I need a guy and a woman this morning. So we have a woman, either somebody, somebody come up here. Are you coming? Okay, and I need a guy that played high school or, or college basketball. Come on, Bill. Okay, come on down front. <laughs> and we're going to have a little March Madness herself, okay? Now, this is obviously uh, a basket, you know. Uh, and these are your basketballs, okay? So, uh, Bill, you take the uh, cream-colored ones. All of them. All of them you can find in there. Jessica, you take the green ones. You should have about 10 of those a piece. If you need to squeeze them a little better or make them into something that looks more like a basketball, go ahead and do that. All right? There's another green one. I know. Now, I want you to step back about seven or eight feet, and I'm going to put this basket right here. Now, we need the gals to really cheer on Jessica. Do you have a nickname or anything like Slam Dunker or, you know, or something or... You know, stretch, okay? What about you, Bill? You have a name? Impact? Whoa. <laughs> all right, all right, stretch. All right, stretch and impact, okay? Uh, they each have 10 shots, so you want to maybe spread a little bit, but they need some encouragement. They need some cheering, okay? They need some hooping, they need some hollering, they need some whistling, they need you to be really excited, okay? So gals, now was that the gals? 
Okay, now let's hear it. Let's hear it for for impact. All right, all right, all right. They get ten shots apiece. And by the way, whoever gets the most in the basket, uh, somebody's got to give them a treat or buy them a dinner or something. I don't know. Tim, can you? Tim will buy bills, and so. Chris, you'll buy Jessica's. <laughs> All right. So they each get 10 shots apiece. The one with the most in the basket, only one time. Two minutes, you know, is, is all we got. Now, you can either shoot them separately or one, and one, one right after the other. It might be easier so you don't crash into each other. Okay? So, all right. Uh, stand up, gals, for the gals. Hoop and holler. Hoop and holler. Come on, come on, come on. The count, the official count, one for impact, two for impact, one for stretch, two for stretch, There's another one in there. oh, three for stretch. <laughs> you can have that too. <laughs> Maybe uh, we better give this bill so we can practice. Okay. <laughs> All right, now, see, I knew you guys could get loud. I knew you guys could get a little emotional for people, you know. When we read that scripture this morning, they read it out of a, a different gospel that I'm going to share a little bit out of, uh, the Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, that was a pretty exciting time when Jesus came into the city. The passions and excitement were just running high. Uh, expectations of people were at like a feverish pitch when Jesus came into town. Uh, it was a festival of the Passover, so there were a lot of people in town during that time that Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. He'd been teaching, drawing large crowds. Uh, he had just been doing some healings. In fact, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead earlier on. So people had high expectations of Jesus, and they shouted and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, you and I know, just as we had right here, I hope you're not too tired out, that emotions are a wonderful God-given thing, aren't they? We all have emotions. Some of us are a little emotional more than others. You know, some of us uh, get a little more overexcited, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's watching the sports teams, you know. 
And I think I told you a few years back, I had a husband and wife who were really big on, on football, but it was the wife who had to get home to watch football games more. She was a big Lions fan. Talk about expectations and frustrations, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but she, she just, I mean, she was so into it, you know, on the couch and jumping up and down and all excited more than her husband. But we also know that emotion or our zeal and our passion, as good as they can be, uh, can quickly burn out if it's not based on some factual information or knowledge. And truthfully, when Jesus comes in to town that day and the loud hosannas are pouring out upon him and people are celebrating and there's an emotional response and there's an expectation uh, they really didn't understand why he was coming or what he was all about. Oh, they'd heard all about him. They'd heard about his miracles. They'd heard, they, some of them had been a part of his teaching, and they were exciting that maybe a new day was dawning. But even over into the Gospels later on, and it, it's really after the resurrection that they come to understand what and who Jesus is all about. Because you go over into another Gospel, and I want to just read this to you uh, momentarily this morning. It's in Luke's gospel, and this is later on after uh, the resurrection. And it says that uh, on the same day, a couple of the apostles were walking on to a village called Emmaus. And as they were walking along, Jesus comes into their midst, but they do not recognize that it's Jesus. And so he walks along, and they begin to tell the story of what's been going on. And it says, uh, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? Do not know the things that have happened over these last few days? Speaking about Jesus, to Jesus, although they don't know it's him. And Jesus responds, what things? He says, he says well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... Our expectation was that he was the one, they say, who was going to redeem Israel. That was who they hoped Jesus was. They thought Jesus was coming into town to redeem them, that all of the miracles, all the teachings, all the things that he was about, that he was going to lead perhaps a rebellion. They were going to overthrow the tyranny of the Roman government. And he was the one that they had expected to come and do that. Well, in that crowd that day, when they're all shouting Hosanna, many of them are probably just curious. Many of them probably had never seen Jesus, but they had heard about him, so they're pretty curious. They have heard that he can do great and wonderful things. They've heard about some of the healings, but they haven't seen it for themselves. But some of them are just hanging around that day because it's kind of like a big parade and they're all excited. And they think, well, of all the things we've heard about this man, maybe we'll get some of the benefits. Might not cost us anything, but we'll get some of the benefits. It's kind of like people who show up at church once in a while. Well, we've heard about this great Jesus. We've heard about him, and we've heard he can do miraculous and wonderful things. But maybe some of that will just rub off on us if we're close by to the people that were around him or if we're just close to him. Or maybe if I just join the softball team, you know, that'll be good enough, you know. I'll just be close enough where it doesn't really cost me anything. They don't want to expect anything of me. 
And uh, that's how a lot of people see Jesus. They're just curious. They're excited about Jesus, but they really don't know who and what he's all about. And they don't know that he said things like this, perhaps, that the Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, and be killed. And if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Say what? Say what? That's not what we expected to hear. That's not what the crowd that day expected to know. You mean you're not our conquering hero that will lead the revolution? You are not the one that is going to save us from the tyranny and oppression of Rome? You're not going to restore the former glory of Israel? And what's all this you talk about sacrificing yourself? And then I've even heard you've talked about loving your enemies. That's not what we expected of you. And so the result, as we all know, Jesus is eventually arrested. The cross looms larger, but the crowds, the crowds, they get smaller. Because great expectations that they had of this man now had just become great frustrations. And that's what happens in our life too. And then they begin to call, crucify him, crucify him. Some of these same people who were probably there celebrating along in the parade, who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, now are saying crucify him. Because they're frustrated. That this is not at all what they expected him to be. You know, my wife and I went to a St. Patrick's Day parade about a week ago. Uh, it was down in Naples, Florida. We read about this parade. And it said that there will be 40,000 people lining the streets of Naples. Naples is not a big city, and it was coming down the main avenue, if you've ever been there. And we thought, wow, that has got to be some type of parade. So we thought, well, let's go down there Saturday morning and see what it's all about. So we drove down. We were about an hour early, but we couldn't find a place to park within a couple of blocks. It was just all the parking was gone, up and down the side streets and whatever. But finally, we found a place. We walked down, and there were just thousands and thousands of people there, all excited about this parade that was going to be coming, this St. Patrick's Day parade. And I'm telling you, if you were a Spartan fan, you would have loved it because they were all dressed in green. I mean, green hair, green hats, green shirts, green pants, green shoes, every type of green that you could imagine. And we took some pictures, and just looking down the streets, and they were 10, 15 deep on these sidewalks and spilling out into the street, just a mass of green everywhere you look. So we thought, this is going to be great. So we find a place, kind of settle in, and you know, we're standing there waiting for the parade, and finally, the parade starts, and we said, this is going to be good. And the parade starts, and the first thing that comes down the street is a couple police cars with their little sirens and flashing lights, you know, coming down through. And then uh, they were celebrating and recognizing uh, many of the military veterans. And so, and I guess what I didn't understand, that this was all going to be probably kind of Irish-oriented, okay? And uh, so... Then you see these men from every uh, part of the services coming down and walking in little groups. And they're older men, 
And, you know, the crowd's clapping and cheering them as they walk through. And I'm saying, okay, okay, let's get to the good stuff now, the big stuff. You know, the floats, the... Mag and, and so, and then, uh, then they have a group of about 20 bagpipers, which was really kind of neat. Bagpipers with kilts on and they're playing all that type of thing, you know, all that music. Oh, one of our buddies here loves that bagpipe. He wants to get a kilt. Where is he? I know. Anyway, so then they're doing all that. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, what's next? Oh, then we got a fire engine. You know, it comes down through, you know, a couple of them. Okay. And then they got some more bagpipers. And then here comes the high school band, and they're playing whatever. And I'm going, okay, come on. Where's the big stuff? And then I look down the street, and we walk down a little farther. And I go down, and I said, Vicki, there is no, like, really wow stuff. I mean, there's 40,000 people, but it's all kind of about Irish things and stuff, and it's all green, but there's no big deal here. No big floats, no nothing, you know? And so we stood there about another five or ten minutes, and we left. Because our expectations was this is going to be, if you've ever been to Disney, like one of those Disney parades. I mean, just wonderful. Or if you've ever seen the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, oh, it was going to be just wonderful, and all these floats and balloons and stuff. It was nothing like that. I thought I was back in Clio when they do their little fireman's homecoming, you know. <laughs> they show 20 fire trucks. And I was so disappointed. Our great expectations had turned, indeed, into great frustration. And that's what's happening with the crowds here. When they shout Hosanna, there was this expectation there was this expectation that something wonderful was going to happen. Everything was going to be changed. They were going to be set free. And Jesus was going to be their redeemer. But that's not why Jesus came. And so I want to talk a moment, just a moment, about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Can we talk about that just for a moment? This, this has something to do with it. About being a follower of Jesus. Because these people were following after him. Everywhere that Jesus went, crowds followed him. You look into the scripture and there's always crowds. There's always people following him like a little parade following after Jesus. And they have all these expectations and they think it's going to culminate in his coming into Jerusalem. And he is going to be proclaimed probably their redeemer, their savior, their king. And everything is going to be grand for them. But he didn't meet their expectations. So when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I need to understand something. And I'm not talking about having that bumper sticker on your car that says, honk if you love Jesus, which reminds me, though, my mom and dad borrowed my brother's car one time, and this was like when he was in college and my brother was a Christian and he came home with his old car. My mom and dad borrowed it for some reason. They're riding down the hall or down up by the malls and everything, and they come home and said, Everybody was honking at us, you know, everybody, everywhere we stopped, your dad was going, the light's still red, and they're still honking, you know, and we're driving around the corners, they're still honking, you know, people are honking everywhere, what in the world is going on? Only after they got home did they understand that my brother had put one of those honk if you love Jesus stickers on the back bumper of the car, but they didn't understand, they were so confused, like, what have we done wrong, is our tire flat, are the lights out, what's going on, you know? Well, I'm not talking about that or the t-shirt we wear or whether you attend church all the time, or even if you went to VBS as a kid or attended camp meeting. You know, camp meetings can be one of those things. I've always watched, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I did not grow up going to camp meetings at all. Never went to camp meetings growing up. 
So when I first experienced that and came up to St. Louis, it was a little different. Everybody come up and say, wow, great, you know, and all these expectations. We're going to have these great speakers, these evangelists. They're going to come in and wow us and boom, 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 stomp around, you know, and hit the pulpits and go back home and you're going to be all excited. I thought, well, great. Then when you come home, your life's going to be changed. You're going to give more to the church. You're going to serve more in the church. You're going to love more people. But I found people just came home and that all wore off, you know. It didn't really change them at all, particularly sometime. They went there, and they got all emotional and all excited, but when they came home, nothing had really changed. Even if they'd gone to the altar, and people had sang just as I am 10 or 12 times, they came home, and I'm expecting this big change. They're going to come into my office. They're going to say, Pastor, I, I want to serve in the life of the church. I'm going to give my tithe to the church. I'm going to be more loving and kind to my husband or my, my wife, and I'm going to do more, and I'm going to act more and be more like Jesus. But I didn't see that always happen. And so when Jesus says, follow me, when we become followers of Christ, you need to understand something. All of those crowds that were following him that deserted him eventually after the loud hosannas and all the emotion and all the expectation. Even his own disciples who had walked with him and shared with him and been closest to him, they even deserted him. And even after he had been put on the cross, they didn't understand what in the world was happening. If you read the scriptures, they went back to doing just some of the same old, same old stuff. And what you need to know about those emotional experiences that we can have, whether it's camp meeting, whether it's in the church or wherever we're at, I want to remind you of something. Emotion without devotion is just commotion. Okay? You say it with me. Emotion without devotion is just commotion. You think about that. You know people like that who get so excited about things. They come home from camps. They go to this. They've, they've had this experience and whatever, but they're no different. They're no more sold out. They're no more wholehearted for Jesus. Things haven't really changed. They just had this grand emotional weeping sometimes even experience, but it didn't change their lives. And that's what's happening with a lot of these people when they shout Hosanna. They're having an emotional experience. But they're not devoted wholeheartedly at all to Jesus. Because when he turns around and says the difficult things, and when they see it's all going to lead to the cross, it says they don't want any part of it. They don't want any part of that. Well, it's so easy to get caught up in feel-good Christianity. We say, well, I know God will answer all my prayers. Everyone is healed. All the bills are paid. I've got a great job, and my kids are perfect. You know, life is good. I have a smile on my face, you know. So quick, take a picture. Never mind, I'll do a selfie. You know, ting. Put it in the directory. Don't we look good? Everything is good. But let's be honest, okay? Let's really be honest with ourselves. Some days, I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like it. Those are emotions. I don't feel like going to work sometimes. 
I don't feel like watching my kids. In fact, if somebody came up and offered me 50 cents for each one of them, sold. Okay? And I'll even give you change. <laughs> I don't feel like coming to church someday. Should we say that? Yeah, we should say that. I was drug here. I talked about being part of the drug generation, you know. I don't feel that. Those are emotions, you know. Because truthfully, if I'm honest, I'm struggling. I'm tired. Some days I feel like a nut, and some days I don't, okay? Those are feelings. <laughs> Gary, it is Gary, right? <laughs> what day is it for you? <laughs> or your daddy? <laughs> Our feelings can often betray us if we're not careful. Like I said, and if you don't remember anything else, emotion without devotion just becomes a lot of commotion. And that's what was going on around Jesus that day. People were very emotional. They had expectations, but they realized that they weren't going to be met. And so when it came down to the difficult task of following Jesus all the way to the cross, and they finally did understand of it, what that was all about, no, they didn't want any part of that. Well, when the people cried out, Hosanna, we usually do it as a way of praising God. But Alleluia is praise. Hosanna, and you've probably heard this, I would think, in all these years, means save us now. It's a cry for help. It's a cry for help. That's what Hosanna means. It means, Lord, save us now. And so those people weren't wrong in what they were crying out. They were crying out for help, just like you and I sometimes do. Lord, I need some help right now. And sometimes that's the simplest prayer, the most effective, specific prayer that you can ever cry out to God. Help me, Lord. Help me. I'm not everything I seem to be on the surface to other people. That smile that I had on my face when I walked into church, people don't know what it's hiding in my heart. They don't know the pain. They don't know the hurt. They don't know the loneliness. They don't know the struggles. But I'm just trying to put on a good face. So they're crying out for help. Unfortunately, though, they missed the whole point of God's help for them, his salvation, to set us free from the bondage of our sin. It's not a picture-perfect world. We're not a picture-perfect people. There is suffering. There is pain. There is sorrow. There is disappointment in all of our lives. And that is the fact of our lives. We go through a lot of frustration and disappointment, unmet expectations. That job's not what I thought it would be. That vacation didn't turn out like I thought it would. That restaurant, the food wasn't just as good as I really wanted it to be. My kids, golly, let's not even talk about them. I had great expectations for them, but I'm now I'm just praying for their salvation and that they'll come to their senses. You know, that relationship, I, it just, 
the expectations just led to great frustration. But I want you to know something. That we don't live on our emotions because they're like roller coasters. Like I said, some days, in Gary's words maybe, we feel like a nut and some days we don't. And we got to pick which day that is, you know. What are we going through that day? But the fact is we don't have to live on our emotions. We can live on the word of God, which is steadfast and true. The unchanging nature of our God, who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that nothing can ever separate me from his love. He promises that one day, despite all that I go through in this world, the trials and tribulations, the frustrations, the unmet expectations, that one day I will be with him forever in heaven where there will be that picture-perfect world where there is no more sickness, pain, sorrow, or frustration, or tears. Hosanna, Hosanna. Great expectations often create great frustrations. But Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday brings us face-to-face with the reality of who Jesus really is and his ultimate mission. Now, I want to say something else. Two things I want you to take away from here today. One is that emotion without devotion just becomes a lot of commotion, okay? Emotions are God-given, but they're roller coasters at times. We live on the facts of what God has said, the truth of his word. These things are written so that you might know who Jesus Christ is and that you have life in his name. You can rest on that fact that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he'll be with you in anything and everything that you ever go through in your life. And some days when you don't feel saved, when I don't feel like a Christian because of what's going on, you rest in the promise of his word, which is truth. Don't live on your emotions. It'll be an up and down roller coaster ride if you do. Emotion without devotion is just a lot of commotion. The final thing is this. Jesus is not who you and I think he is. Okay? I want you to understand that. Jesus is not who you and I think he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Okay? It's not our expectations that he came to meet. It's not, well, we think God is just a, an ever-loving and a, and a... Jesus is not who we think he is. Jesus is who he says he is. And so you need to understand what God says about himself. Even his own disciples, don't feel bad, his own disciples who walked with him and talked with him, slept with him and ate with him, saw the miracles he did, heard him teach almost constantly, even they didn't quite get it. And you can read it through the scriptures. He didn't come to meet 
my expectations. He came to do the will of God. He came to please his Father in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done, he said. When he met with the disciples, before he goes to the cross, he tries to impress upon them and remind them of who he is and why he had come. And he takes the basin and the towel wrapped around his his waist and he bends down and washes their feet. And Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet because Peter didn't understand who he was. Jesus said, I have come as a servant. I have come into this world to give my life as a ransom for many. I have come to serve others. Peter, don't you get it? Don't you understand who I am and why I have come? And he calls you and I then to follow in those same footsteps, to be his servants in this world. He didn't come to overthrow the Roman rule, but he came to proclaim the kingdom of God. He came to die on a cross, a very cruel death for those who didn't even love him. That's who Jesus is. He's not who we think he is. Jesus is who he says he is. And we just need to remind ourselves of why he came and who he is. The great frustration comes for the disciples and for the crowds because this is not what any of them had expected. But then, nobody, absolutely nobody, after Palm Sunday, expects a miracle. Nobody expects that either. In the words of the late Paul Harvey, and now the rest of the story. But hey, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's next week. See you then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be reminded and to remember always that who you are is who you said you were. You didn't come to meet our expectations. It's not who we conjure up in our own mind or with our own feelings or what others have said about you, but it's who you have said you are about yourself. Lord, strengthen us, encourage us, show us who you are through your word. And then remind us, Father, On those days when feelings come and when they go, emotions rise and they fall because of circumstances or what's happening in my family or what's happening with my health or what's happening in this world, that, Father, emotions without devotion just bring commotion. And they certainly bring that to my life. So, Father, help me to remember to simply ground my faith and trust your word that you are who you say you are, and you've come to do what you have proclaimed to do. And Jesus, I'll rest in your promises then, and I'll thank you for them this day and every day.
In Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.